Anna read for us a few minutes ago, Come to Christ, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into what? Into a spiritual house. Into a spiritual house. The other day, a friend came into the office and handed me his business card. There was nothing too strange about that, except that this friend didn't have a business. And he doesn't have a job. And he's not really looking for a job. His card was more like a calling card. And on it, it had his name and his phone number. And it says on the lower right-hand corner, give me a call. I'm very spiritual. I love that. And not least because there are many days in my life when that is the last thing I would ever dare to put on my business card. Call me. I'm very spiritual. (laughs) I know that I'm spiritual for a living, right? That's what I do. But sometimes I think that being spiritual for a living gets in the way of building up my own spiritual house, of having my own spiritual life. And so, with First Peter, I've been thinking about working on that spiritual house. Of course, I know, and you know, and Scripture says, it's not up to us to build ourselves into some spiritual house. I know, and Scripture says, that's God's job, that's not our job. That's what God wants for us. That's what God is trying to do with us and in us and through us. That's what God yearns for us. That's what we're made to be. And it's God's project. It's not really our project. But here's our job. Here's your job in this whole God's project, build the spiritual house thing. Don't get in the way. Don't get in God's way. There are all kinds of things, of course, that we do, and we know we do, to get in the way of God. There are all kinds of things that we do and find ourselves doing that gets in the way of God's project. We get busy. We don't make time for God. And so what I want to do today is to think of some things that we can do, not only to stay out of God's way, but also to help God along in this project of making each of us into a spiritual house. You want to do that? Say, you want to do that? I thought you did. So first, put yourself in God's path. Be around where God might be. And I don't mean just showing up at church, although I don't think it hurts. But as a wise person once said, hanging out in a garage doesn't make you a car. And hanging out in a church doesn't make you a spiritual person. So, building your spiritual house has to be something we can support each other doing. So it's not a bad thing to be with other people who are trying to work on that same project and helping God with that project. It can't be something that we do all by ourselves. It doesn't work that way. John Wesley once pointed out that you can't be a Christian by yourself. He wrote... 
And I love this. Directly opposite to a solitary religion is the gospel of Christ. Solitary religion is not to be found there. He says, holy solitaries is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. The gospel of Christ knows no religion but social. No holiness but social holiness. Faith working by love, he says, is the length and breadth and depth and height of the Christian project. This commandment we have from Christ, he says, that he who loveth God love his brothers and sisters also, and that we manifest that love by doing good to all. That's what Wesley has to say about it. So a spiritual house isn't something that stands alone apart from the work of love and justice that we have been commanded to take on. Third thing to think about in this project of building ourselves into a spiritual house, letting ourselves be that spiritual house, is that it's helpful to have the right equipment. Early this morning, I watched two young guys walking down 87th Street carrying surfboards. And I thought, how handy, just in case one of those great big waves washes up from the river. I followed them because I was curious, not because I'm particularly creepy. (laughs) But I followed them down the street, and I watched as they went into the subway. Presumably, now I don't think there was much ocean going on down there either, but presumably at the end of whatever subway line they found themselves, there are going to be some waves. At least I really hope so. I have no idea where they were going. I have no idea what they were doing, but they knew, and they were ready, and they had the equipment. So what's the right equipment for our spiritual building project? Well, prayer, first of all, prayer. If you want to spend time with God, then spend time with God. If I'm not giving time to meditation, to prayer, then I can't really be that surprised when God doesn't show up and doesn't become a big part of my life. What else do we need? We were talking about it a little bit before, and discomfort is what Vicky suggested, was an essential tool. Discomfort. We need to notice when we're getting too comfortable in our spiritual life, too smug, too self-righteous, and run the other way. Fourth, You need the right spirit. You need to be in your right mind. Have this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, Paul writes to the Philippians. And what was that mind that was in Christ Jesus? Well, in comparison with ours, I dare say that his was an open mind, not attached to particular things, not clinging to particular dogmas when it didn't serve God and didn't serve God's people. It was a mind open to people, a mind open to things, a mind open to ideas, a mind open to the power of the Spirit, a mind that questioned things. Yesterday afternoon, we hosted downstairs the graduation of the Clemente course on the humanities, a program that Charlene's been involved with that introduces things like philosophy and history and political theory to people who maybe never thought about going to college. And the keynote speaker at this graduation, 
asked at one point, what was the greatest historical event or historical discovery that changed everything? And of course, people tossed out, I don't know, what do you think they tossed out? What's the greatest discovery or event in history? Eh, Printing press, that's a good one. What else? Telephone? Hmm? 9-11? Okay. Fire? Fire. Oh, yeah, fire. Sorry. (laughs) Fire? (laughs) Wheel, tools, right. All these things are important. He said, you know, those are great. Those are really important. The most important thing he said, the most important discovery was the discovery of ignorance. Understanding what we don't know and being open to learning about what we don't know and not letting our ignorance and our narrowness be in control. The discovery of ignorance. Finally, you need compassion. You need compassion. Jesus asked, how can you love God? When you don't love people. <laughs> How can you say you love God? You don't like anybody. When you don't welcome the homeless, the stranger, the alien, the immigrant, the refugee. When you don't love people who look different from you or pray different or think different. When I don't love people when they're wrong, <laughs> which they so often are. It's hard to love people when they're so different from me. It's hard for me. I have a lot of trouble with that. That's one of the ways you know I'm not Jesus. (laughs) There are some ways, those are some of the ways that we can make sure that we are part of the project, that we're helping God build us into a spiritual house. And what's the reward for that? What's What's the end game for that? What's the part of the process that we could be involved in. Well, it says in the first letter of Peter, belonging to God, knowing we belong in God. It says in first Peter, you are a chosen bunch of people, a royal priesthood. Once you were not a people, once you were no people, and now you're God's people. About 10 years ago, a couple of us were involved, invited by a homeless advocacy project to come with them to Heart Island and conduct a funeral service along with them. Now, Heart Island, you may not know if you're not in town or you may not know if you are from town. Heart Island is New York's potter's field, a place where people are buried who die friendless or nameless or alone. People whose bodies no one claimed people whose names were perhaps unknown and unnamed. There were more than a million people buried on that 100-acre island, more than a million people, many in mass graves. So for no really better reason than I was curious, I went with the group without thinking very much about it. Heart Island is a strange place. It's all by itself off the coast of the Bronx. It's probably also the only graveyard run by a prison since the Department of Corrections uses 
forced labor brought across the river, brought across the water from Rikers Island to do the burying. And we had to get special clearance to get on to Hard Island and make sure we were authorized to be there, and special clearance to get off of Hard Island again to make sure we were not trying to escape from uh, something, trying to pretend to be clergy and homeless advocates in order to get off. When we got there to Hard Island, we were ushered into a little shelter area for the funeral service. And I asked some of the advocates who were there, who in particular were we going to be memorializing that day? And they said, everyone. I said, all million people? They said, yeah. And then one said, could you mention this person, somebody he had known? And I said, sure. And then somebody else mentioned somebody else. And Could you mention that person? I said, sure. Somebody, it was somebody that she knew slightly who had died outside during that previous winter. And then came another name, and then came another name, and, and another, and another, and another. And finally, I thought of this verse from the first letter of Peter. Once you were no people, now you're God's people. Just by being named and being claimed, finally. Something was happening for these persons that didn't happen while they were with us in life. They were being named, and finally, they were being claimed. But of course, God had already named them. God had already claimed them all along. And so it is with us, whoever we are, whatever we are. We are God's people. We are God's own people, all of us, whatever our background, whether Methodist or Muslim, Baptist or Buddhist, Adventist or agnostic. We are God's people, straight or gay or male or female or gender non-conforming or not real sure. We are named and we are claimed. We are all God's people, housed or homeless, rich or poor or scraping by. We are all God's people, God's people. And with God's help, We are all, and each of us, working on a building with God. Thanks be to God.